The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I'm going to be your host. Today we're going to be talking about some biblical worldview news. Recently, we had a question posed to us through an email, and the young lady asks us, Can you please tell me the real story of the emergent church? I hear so many different opinions, and to be quite frank, I'm a bit confused. Well, dear reader, I'll tell you the real story, but you might not like it. The emergent movement is not as new as a lot of these new emergent leaders claim it to be. Even though I'm considering writing a book on the historical elements of the Church of Laodicea someday, I want to give you an overview of really the basics and more up-to-date history on this emergent movement. The emerging church or slash the emerging movement is a global post-Christian or spiritual formation slash Christ's replica movement originally birthed through the leaders of the Age of Enlightenment. Now, the Age of Enlightenment was at its peak back in the 1800s in Europe. But the emergent movement itself was a part of a very early group of Enlightenment believers classified as the European Masonic Secret Society. They were officially organized in 1717, but the truth of the fact is they can be traced all the way back to the Brotherhood of Egypt. Now this Brotherhood makes the claim that they were the first free-willed society of Masons to build King Solomon's Temple at Jerusalem. In their first formal gatherings, they made a point out of including representatives from the Geometric Society, from the Arena of Philosophers, someone from the Hebrew culture, and someone from the New Testament uh, Replacements of the Pharisees, which is an interesting story all by itself, but that group is called the Essence. And that group was very instrumental in integrating a lot of the New Testament scriptures and beliefs into this secret society. Then there was the representative from the monastic or socialistic monks. Then you had someone from the Druids, which was the first order of Satanists. Then the gypsies, which were officially Egyptian cultists. And then you had someone that represented the secret society of the mystics. And they also threw in someone from the intellectual society. These were the primary representatives of the very first group of this organized Masonic Age of Enlightenment believers that came out of Europe. Now, the Age of Enlightenment had and continues to have goals to liquefy or to merge numeric codes, philosophy, Hebrew culture, New Testament believers, the Catholic Church, Satanists, followers of the Egyptian thought, conceptual secret societies, and intellectuals. 
That's about as simple as we can make the Masonic movement. And this is where we get the idea of emergent thinking or emergent church. And this is also why the original nine symbols of the Masonic order mirrored these categories. You'll have to do your own research to actually see a lot of these these symbols and how they do connect to the uh, nine primary representatives of the world, but they're there. So even though the Masons or the Enlightenment uh, individuals were proactive in America long before they were they actually assisted in writing the Constitution of America. In fact, there's evidence of Mason's carvings in Minnesota clear back to 1313. But they have been very foundational in assisting the international Masonic movement to establish a new world for their new world order. To review all of these religious views, we will accomplish that in later shows. But for right now, understand that their beliefs are very pluralistic and deist in nature. Deism is a theological position of God creating the earth and turning it over to man to do what he really wants to do with it. This deistic idea uh, was integrated into the Masons' very first educational institute here in America. That institute is called Harvard. Harvard originally was a Congregationalist slash Unitarian uh, seminary for their clergy. If you break down the theological beliefs of a Congregationalist and a Unitarian, you're going to find basically the structure of the emergent church. It's really that simple. They're very open-ended to what you believe, who you believe, why you believe. And that's why Benjamin Franklin, any resident historian, is going to tell you that he was very proactive against Christianity being the only faith, but yet he was a very hardcore Congregationalist or Unitarian. So that is where a lot of the theological beliefs were invested in is those early educational institutes. The second place it was integrated into, and that's politics. It is a very significant part of the early Masons' goals. In fact, a lot of the degree terminology used by our institutions today, or for America, originally used by Harvard and Yale, was from the degreed Masons. So as Masons would graduate from one degree to another, and here in America, the 33rd degree is one of the highest, if not the highest degree you can attain, those degrees, like Master Mason, is where we get the whole concept of Master's degree. Masons to this very day are active in church leadership, particularly those uh, of the heritage of Jacobus Arminius. In fact, two movements that jumpstart the religious views of America were the followers of this Jacobus, the Arminians, and also, by the way, who were very much against the works of Calvin, John Calvin. The second group that helped jumpstart the religious movement within America, and that is the group of John Calvin, primarily the pilgrims. 
So even though much of what the Armenians believe is relatively sound, it's their open-ended deism or free-willed thinking that caused their lineage to go emergent. A practice, by the way, that you're going to find in most of their descendant church denominations to this very day, which are, here's their beliefs, and not all of their denominations have accepted it, but it's the warring that's going on, and that is homosexual pastors, women in pastoral positions, spiritual formation versus rebirth in Jesus Christ, 50-50 marriages, salvation through the freedom of intellectual choice, the acceptance of all forms of faith, revisionary authority, experience-driven Christianity, ecumenical peace, socialism, and really I could go on and on and on in regard to the emergent type of beliefs that are popping up in these descendant churches of Jacobus. All that to say that the Masons' movement of religious freedom of choice and political freedom of religion got us at least here in America, into this universal emergent mess. The churches of today are not coming up with anything new. They are simply next in line to receive this emergent message that has really moved itself forward through the church of Laodicea. And that's why special time and special attention has to be placed upon the study uh, historical, which I call continuous history, of the Church of Laodicea. The result is everyone has the right to believe what they want, even though the Bible is very, very clear that God is immovable in what he wants us into all Christians to believe. So the emergent church is nothing other than the Church of Laodicea, and which is lukewarm or tepid. And it is stated in the book of Revelation. The postmodern church of today must turn lukewarm in order for the Antichrist to form a one world religion. And that's going to be pluralism of all faiths. You can read about that in Revelation 17. Emergent leaders today tell us that Christianity must be reconstructed. Well, the not-so-new new news is that is exactly what God is going to allow. Even though our postmodern church leaders, like the Emergent Society members, even though they might believe that they are the founders of this new reconstructed church that needs to rebuild or to build the new Jerusalem for this Christ to come, well, it's not new. And if you don't believe me, ask one of your local free-willed Masons, because they know different. The Masons have had a goal for centuries to place the entire world under one order of political and religious perfection, a truth that only the top three degrees of Masons will actually admit to. A point of interest is the emergent message of the Masons is no longer singly associated with the branches or descendants of Arminius. It is in the mainstream Christian church today infected almost the entire body of Christ. Few Christian institutions remain untouched by this movement, but to those whom the Lord has caused to stand strong against it, bless you. 
I know that a lot of what we have discussed today sounds a little bit conspiratorial, but it's all in history. That's one thing I have learned to do before I write or before I talk, and that is back and sustain with continuous history. It's there. Dig in and read it. Don't believe me. Believe what you read from the Word of God. And if God says it, it's true. Then when you go and study history, and if it supports the Word of God, then you have something going. So, reader, please, listener, please, take the time to go and do your research and start with the Word of God. Thank you for joining us on A Counselor's Point of View and our Biblical Worldview News of today has been on the Emergent Church. Stay tuned for more talk on the modern, or should I say postmodern, Emergent Church. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.